You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for November 3rd. It was one small step for man, one giant leap for a man in a rubber monster suit. On this day in 1954, the first Godzilla film premiered across Japan, and it was a pivotal moment for the country both cinematically and emotionally. At first glance, it may just look like another monster movie, not too far off from the Universal classics. Scary creature terrorizes populace, bad things happen, terror ensues, and so on, just on a much larger scale in this case. But in reality, the release of Godzilla was almost a cathartic experience for post-war Japan. You see, Godzilla is awoken by U.S. underwater atomic testing, and he rampages through Tokyo, destroying buildings and taking lives. And keep in mind, this is less than a decade since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. By contrast, 9-11 was almost 20 years ago, and any narrative portrayal is still viciously attacked as too soon. But here's Japan, anthropomorphizing their suffering on screen, and still turning out to theaters in droves. For a movie featuring a dude in a suit destroying a miniature cityscape, it turned out to be a complex metaphor for the current emotional state of Japan, a condemnation of the emerging nuclear era, and a coping mechanism for the country. In the words of producer Tomoyuki Tanaka, The theme of the film from the beginning was the terror of the bomb. Mankind had created the bomb, and now nature was going to take revenge on mankind. Alright, so so we talked about the really heavy and somewhat depressing aspect of Godzilla's arrival onto the scene, but Godzilla also had a huge impact on the way the world made movies. In just a moment, we'll talk about the big guy's cinematic legacy, starting with the special effects. Jessica Lynn-Birdie here, and you know my voice from Sci-Fi 5, but did you know that I'm also in a TV show? Heartbeats, a completely improvised medical dramedy that's performed live every Friday, only on Twitch. Now through November 5th at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we'll bring you the lives, loves, and losses of the cardiologists of LA Gen. Be sure to go to twitch.tv slash Ripley Improv to make sure you're following us, because you don't want to miss a beat. Director Ishiro Honda teamed up with special effects master Aiji Tsuburaya, who had a proven knack for making miniatures look incredibly realistic. Their original plan was to render Godzilla in stop motion, which was the go-to effect for the time. However, once the number crunching was done, they realized it would take seven years to animate. So plan B was the trope we've all come to know and love, using a dude in a rubber suit, a process retroactively coined as suitmation. The results were surprisingly convincing. Godzilla's clever use of special effects kicked off the monster boom in Japan, leading to a ton of flicks featuring giant monsters or kaiju, a term made familiar to U.S. audiences thanks to Pacific Rim. The film's effect, pun not intended, on cinema was so influential that its release date is actually the launching point for an entire named era of Japanese filmmaking, the Showa era. Oh, and just as a fun extra bit, Tsuburaya and his crew were almost arrested as they were scouting the real-life locations that Godzilla would visit, as they were overheard discussing the best ways to destroy them. Luckily, they were able to back up their scouting story by showing the police their Toho Studios business cards. The Japanese release of Godzilla was so successful, the film was quickly repackaged for American audiences. Of course, we trimmed out a lot of the political and post-war commentary, added in Raymond Burr, and renamed it Godzilla, King of the Monsters, because that's just how we roll. 
American audiences wouldn't see the original 1954 version until almost 50 years later. 1954's Godzilla was the first of 33 and still counting Godzilla films, giving the big guy the Guinness World Record for longest running film franchise in history, not to mention the video games, books, comics, toys, and just about anything else you can think of. It was a technological triumph for today, and I must say, still holds up pretty well, all things considered. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5, for November 3rd. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.